Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning service of Sunday the 27th of February 2011, entitled, Live to Make a Difference. And the Bible reading is taken from Jude, verse 22. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Good morning. I told uh, Panos, he came up and he said, Good morning, Brian. And I said, it's either good morning, Lord, or good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just don't know which one to say. And uh, um, it is, uh, I know it's been a long night, and it was a, a great day yesterday. And uh, I hope and pray, I'm going to have to move real fast and preach real loud and uh, be real quick so I don't put you to sleep today. And, uh, but I want you to take your Bible and open to Jude, uh, Jude verse number 22. I want to uh, speak this morning real, real candid to you about how to have a life that makes a difference. I think we all want to make a difference in our world. I, I know I do. Um, and folks, we can't reach, I mean, one person can't reach the whole world, but we can reach those within our reach. And that's what we have to focus on. It can be overwhelming when we think about the great needs in our world. I, I heard uh, of many of, uh, you know, Brother Michael uh, said something about a, a couple little islands right off the northeast uh, coast of Australia, 16,000 people, uh, predominantly 100% Roman Catholic. No uh, real witness, a, mission, a few missionaries there, but it just shows the great need all over the world. And let's be honest, um, time is short. I believe that's why Jesus said, work while it's day, because the night cometh when no man can work. We need to get busy about our Father's business while we've got time to do it and opportunity. Winston Churchill addressed some uh, young people at Barrow School here in England right during the war at the height of World War II, and he said, uh, we're living in desperate days, but these really aren't desperate dark days. They're opportunistic days. It's the greatest day, he said, we have to show our, our, our fortitude as a nation and Thank God for statesmen that would stand up and with, without fear or favor say that. But listen, young people, I, I plead with you today, um, and I'm, no, I'm by no means uh, a man of the stature of Winston Churchill, but I'm begging you to really consider making a difference where God's put you. I think about a lady in my town who had no idea when I met her the first time, that she would have any impact in my life. But Tenneke, I met her on the streets of Wilmington. She was kind of shabbily dressed. She didn't have on any nice clothing. She was pushing a grocery cart, like at Tesco or Aldi, just a shopping cart down the street, and it was filled full of rags. Tim, I went up to her and I said, Ma'am, I said, can I help you? I said, I just feel impressed to the Lord to ask if you've had a, a meal, if, if I need to, uh, to give you a ride somewhere. I've got my truck. We can put your shopping cart in the back of the truck, and I can take you wherever you want to go. And she looked at me. She said, no, I'm fine, young man. She said, I, 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 just, um, I, I try to collect articles and garments and, and things such as that. We live in a textile area where we make a lot of clothing and a lot of fabric, and some of these textile mills will throw and discard a lot of the remnants that are seemingly trash, rubbish, they throw in the bins. 
Well, what she does is she goes around all the bins and collects all those garments, Dave, and all that rubbish that everybody else throws away. And she had a burden about 15 years ago when her husband died. She said, Lord, she's a believer. She said, Lord, I want you to give me a ministry that I can make an impact in our area. She said, when my husband, I married my husband, he was a very wealthy man. I didn't have to work anymore. And she said, before I met him, I used to sew and uh, you know, I was a seamstress in a factory, and I can do that, Lord. I, I, that's a gift that you gave me is to be able to make clothing. And you know what she does this day? She's got a consignment shop. It's called Rags to Riches. And she makes clothing for all the homeless people in my town. She makes dresses for little girls. And on the tag inside that says Rags to Riches, she always puts a verse of Scripture underneath it, and it's this verse right here. I want you to look at Jude, verse 22. It says, Of some have compassion, making a difference. Can I ask you something? Do you want to make a difference in this world? I can guarantee you that there were 120 believers that watched Jesus go and ascend up into heaven, and they waited in Jerusalem and tarried there till the Holy Spirit of God fell upon them the day of Pentecost. And I can guarantee you that that 120 followers of Christ never in their wildest imagination would have even entertained the thought of what they would have done in their day for Jesus Christ. They turned the world upside down. Do you realize that we sit here today because of what they did? You say, well, preacher, I don't have a lot of ability. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for availability. And can I go one step farther? He's not even looking for availability as much as he's looking for stickability. We got a lot of people that's quit. It breaks my heart to think about the young people that I used to see at this conference. And I haven't seen them in quite a few years. You know, I wonder sometimes, where are they? I hope they're serving the Lord. But you know, un unfortunately, young people, you're going to see a lot of casualties in your lifetime serving Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I wish I could tell you that every pastor that I've pa preached for, Every friend that I went to school with that was in full-time ministry 10 years ago, Penos, was still in it. But unfortunately, they're not. For circumstances unknown to us and things that happen and transpire and trials and, and all those tests of life, some, Steve, just give up. Can I ask you something? Where would we be today if Jesus would have given up? If the Lord Jesus Christ had went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and the Lord said, you're going to have to go to, the, to Calvary for the sins of all mankind. And he said, you know what? That's just too hard to ask of, you, of me, Father. And he quit. If he had quit, we'd all be in hell. You can't quit. If you're going to make a difference, wherever God plants you, at a Bible college, at a university, at a job, if you're going to make a difference, you've got to live by this verse. And of some have compassion making a difference. Somebody's accused me of crying too much. 
There are people that have come to me and say, Preacher, you know what? Why do you cry so much? Well, this one principle I live by, if my eyes leak, my head won't swell. Hello? <laughs> you know what it does? When you cry, it humbles you. And by the way, guys, it's, it's not feminine to weep. Our Savior wept. Or wept, excuse me. Showing my American linguistics now, not my English. Jesus wept. I believe, I believe God's heart's broken. You say, well, God ain't a man. No, he's a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But I can tell you this, I believe the heart of God is broken. And I can almost imagine... Humanly speaking, and our, we can wrap our minds around it, a tear run down the face of God when He sees that erring one that's gone away and won't come back to Him. This whole book is an amazing book. If, if you look at it, the first, uh, I guess the first six verses talk about, or the first, uh, first five verses talk about us contending for our faith. I want you to look over at Jude and look at verse number 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. That means to encourage you, to, to push you on. Hey, listen, it's hard to push a rope. you got to pull it. God don't want us to be like that. God won't, don't want to have to just push us all the way through our life. He wants to lead us. He's like, come on, I've made a way. I've gone before you. I've prepared the way. And he says, I encourage you, I exhort you to what? That ye should earnestly, what? Contend for the faith. Now look up at me. He did not say to be earnestly contentious for the faith. He said to contend for it. Young people, let me tell you something. You're going to be putting... Situations, we were yesterday. You're going to be having. You're going to have opportunities. That's a mild way of putting it. You're going to have opportunities uh, to earnestly contend for the faith. And by the way, can I say this? I don't have. To, I don't have to defend the one who uh, can put down every gainsayer, whose word is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. I don't have to defend God. Thank God He's given me an opportunity to rightly contend for the faith and to rightly divide the word of truth. But listen, young people, if we'll just let God be God and let us be His servants, I promise you it'll work a whole lot better than the reverse. Amen? Earnestly contend for the faith. That means, you know what? You ought to be ready always to give an answer to the hope that lies within you with fear and trembling. That means, you know what? Be ready. Guys, if your preacher gets sick one Sunday morning and he has to call in, and let's say, let's say Dave calls in and, 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 and he's sick, and, and he can't fill in for Sunday morning to Sunday school hour or whatever. You know what, guys? Be ready if he calls on you to step up to the plate and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm just a humble servant. And you know you, I, I, my lips are, are yours, property. And so speak through me. Be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. Young ladies, when you go on the foreign field, if God calls you into full-time Christian service and you got a, a group of young people around you, you be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. Earnestly contend for the faith. I think it's high time that we start contending and stop being contentious. 
You know what? You ain't going to win anything with a shouting match. If we can't just sit around and, and, and rightly debate with a well-thought-out process and keep our composure, cooler heads will always prevail. Amen? Amen. But you know what? You're not going to win anything in a shouting match. So earnestly contend. He said, you know what? I want you to contend for the faith, but number two, if you look at the next part of this, this book, he says, I want you to uh, condemn the false teachers. You've got, listen, I want you to look at verse number, uh, look over at verse number 10. But look at verse number 10. But these speak evil of those things which uh, they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beast in those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. It wasn't the doctrine that was wrong, what, that, that he's talking about. It ain't the way, it was the error of Balaam. And by the way, if you don't think God can use you, he used a donkey in Balaam's life to get him right with God. <laughs> I didn't mean that as an insinuation. I'm just saying that he used a, a donkey anyway. <laughs> and perished in the gainsaying of Korah, the sons of Korah, said they were going to step above the authority of Moses and they were going to intrude on the priesthood. And you know what God did? God opened up the earth and swallowed all of them. Closed it back up. They've never been heard of again. You know what I found out? God can do a good job at taking care of those that blaspheme His name. Look over at verse number. By the way, there are a lot of people out there. We, we've read, listen, we have read books. There are books on the shelves right now in America that uh, uh, literally there are teachers that have come up and said, we know the exact day that the Lord's going to come back. Can I say this? You want to know why Jonah, when he went before Nineveh, went up on a hill and waited for God to zap them with lightning and lightning bolts out of heaven? You know, want to know why he wanted God to pass judgment on Nineveh? Because when he went into that city and he said, I'm not going to go there, that's why he ran from God. Because he knew that God was what? Merciful and long-suffering. He was a gracious God and slow to anger and full of mercy and kindness. And he knew that. And he knew if he went and preached, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, you know what he was going to be? A false prophet. Because he knew God would save the whole city. Can I say this? There are people out there that will try to tell you all kind of stuff that's not biblical. And you know what the Bible tells us? It says to be careful, beware, take heed, watch soberly for these people. We got people all over the, especially on university campuses. And they think that, you know what they've basically done? They've, they've made themselves their own God. You know, it's a whole lot easier to do that than to Submit yourself under the one that created you. 
See, we don't want no leadership over us. We want to be our own person. We want to live our own life. We don't want nobody telling, you know, that's a wrong view of God, number one. God loves us enough to lead us to righteousness. And once we're there and we are saved by grace, we grow in grace. But no, nah, people don't want that. And Jude says, I want you to condemn them that are false teachers. So number one, he said, I want you to contend for the faith. I want you to condemn. I want you to condemn those that are false teachers. Listen, young people, that's a real good reason for you to know what you believe and believe what you know. Amen? Write that down in your, in your notes. Know what you believe and believe what you know. But the third thing that he discusses is the most important one. He not only says, I want you to contend for the faith, and number, number two, I, don't, I want you to condemn those that are false teachers. And let me say this, young people. Anybody that tells you that there's another way other than Jesus Christ to get to heaven, or they deny the virgin birth, or they say that Jesus is not literally coming back physically to the earth for His church, may I say this? You run as far and as fast away from them as you can. You can amen right there. I know there's some areas that we can agree to disagree on, and there's been good men that have agreed to disagree on certain areas of some doctrine in the Bible, but these premises, we stand, and there are bedrock convictions. By the way, do you know the difference between a conviction and a preference? I'll give you the biggest, the biggest difference between a conviction and a preference. A conviction is something you're willing to die for. So you know what? This crowd that says if you're a born-again believer and you're saved by the grace of God and, and you're a young lady, you can't wear trousers. I'm going to tell you something. That ain't a conviction. Because I can guarantee you I'll put them to the test and say, you know what? Are you willing to die for that conviction? Are you willing to die for that? You know what? Truth of the matter is most people believe that are just trying to put more rules and regulations on people and all that is is law. It ain't grace. Now, I know y'all appreciate that. You ain't saying much, but I know you appreciate it. Because some of y'all want to say amen and shout glory right there. Amen. Thank you. I want you to look at verse 20. He says, listen, I don't not only want you to contend for the faith, I want you to condemn them, them that are false teachers. Young people, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, loving the creation more than the Creator, having a form of godliness but denying the power of it. You know what the word form means? The word form literally has a Greek connotation of being masked, having a mask on. You know in the last days that people will have a mask of godliness, but they'll deny the very power behind the truth that Jesus says. By the, it said in the last days, and he said it right here, the reason we ought to earnestly contend for the faith, young people, is because there's going to be those that come in that day and deny the Lord Christ and turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. You say, that's a big word. What's lascivious mean? 
It literally means to take the grace of God and turn it into something to make money. There are preachers all over the world that call themselves gospel, Bible preachers, and they get on the TV, they get among a crowd, and they'll frenzy the crowd and say, hey, listen, if you'll sow that seed valve a thousand pounds, God will bless you and He'll open up the winds of heaven. Write that check right now and send it in. Shame on them. My grandmother, Tim, before she died, sent over $15,000 to a televangelist in the United States of America. And I'm going to tell you, my grandmother loved Jesus Christ as much as anybody I know. But you know what? He deceived her. That place went defunct. It shut down. The ministry is no longer even in existence today. And that man spent time literally in prison because of an immoral relationship outside the bonds of marriage. Can I say this, young people? You beware of false teachers. We need more than ever before in this generation of, that you live in, we need keen discernment. You need to be discerning of what's right and wrong. Can I say this? Just because 85,000 people get in an arena and hold hands and sing Kumbaya does not mean God's in it. I'm just being honest. There's a lot that's going on out there in the name of God, but it's really not of God. You know I'm telling the truth. I know this is not one of those feely good, you know, messages and oh, I, I just left there and it was such an entertaining thing. That's not what this is for. This is, to inter this is to energize you and to put something in you that you go back next week and you live for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you can fight the devil because he's going to fight you. I promise you, he ain't going to stop. He is as diligent. That's why the Bible says be sober and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If you're not careful, I finally got some of you's attention. He says, I want you to contend for the faith. The last phrase that I told that gentleman out there on the street before we left is this. Sir, we listened to you. You would not listen to us. And you didn't speak the truth in love. You know that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to speak the truth in love. That's what this whole conference is about, is love. Contend for the faith. Condemn the false teachers. But number three, young people, write this down and we'll be done. The third thing that Jude says, and if you want to live a life that makes a difference, just as a side note, you need some passion, all right? You need some passion. Number two, you need some, I was preaching Michael in a, in a, a church, and I always run rabbits. I'm sorry. I, I'll, get back on, I'll get back to the message here in a minute. But I was preaching in a church in Georgia, and this guy, now, it wasn't his personality to just stand up and raise both hands and say, Hallelujah! And by the way, there ain't nothing wrong with that. If you want to do it, go ahead and have a time of your life. Matter of fact, that's like saying, that's like hanging a, a, raw, a piece of raw meat in front of a Rottweiler and saying, Sick em, boy, sick em. To me, I love that. But yeah, y'all, I, I figured it'd soak in in just a few seconds. But anyway, 
This guy was sitting in the service, and there was a lady singing a song. And I don't remember exactly what song it was, but boy, it stirred his heart. And I was sitting on the very front row, and I heard something going like this. Well, I look back, and he's tapping his foot. Now, this guy is not one of those that's openly emotional. He's kind of reserved, but he started doing this. And I watched him, and boy, tears started coming down his cheek, and he's doing this. And all of a sudden, Panos, I heard him get up, and I was like, Man, he's going to come unglued. No, you know what he did? He walked out of the service just like this. He walked out of the auditorium. He went in the back, out in the foyer where nobody could see him. And this is what he did him. He got in the back and he went. And he, he kind of got himself composed. He walked back in, sat right down in his chair, and listened to the rest of the message. You know what he was doing? It was not his personality, nor his, his intent to disrupt the service. But Dave, he couldn't help what was inside of him, and he had to let it out. Young people, if you're going to have a life that makes a difference, have some passion. And with that passion will come God's power. Do you know you hold in your hand? the most powerful tool in all the world. I've never known any other book. You can read whatever Harlequin classic you want to. You can read the Newsweek. You can read the reporter here in Birmingham, but none of it will change your life. But this book right here can change your life. It'll change your life. I had a slim New Testament one time. When you want to talk about contending for the faith, young people, know this book. If you want to fight the enemy, we're in the Sword of the Spirit conference. There are pieces of armor that God mentioned that we went through on the first night, having the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, having your loins go about with truth, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he says, and having the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now listen, young people, all the other pieces in the armor are for defense. But this is for offense. See, we use this against the attack of the enemy. When he comes to us and whispers in our ear, you know you didn't mean that decision you made. You know you didn't mean what you meant when you prayed and asked Christ to save you. You know what you do? When he brings up all the past in your life, you tell the devil about his future. And you can go to the book and you can say, Devil, when I'm spending eternity in heaven, you're going to spend an eternity in hell. I don't know what I broke, but it's all right. It, it, thank God for blue tack and super glue. Amen. But listen, this is why we have the Bible. Young people, this is a love letter from God to you. And why don't we treat it that way? We lay it on the shelf. We'll collect dust. We won't read it for two, three weeks. And this is always the argument. Well, preacher... I just can't read the Bible right now. My heart's not right, and I'm just not at a place where I'm in right fellowship with God. That's exactly when you need to read it. You don't need to forsake it when you feel like you're far away from God, because let me tell you something. If you and God were a thousand steps apart, and you took 999 steps, God only has to take one to get right back where you're at.
Isn't that a good God? Young people, use this book as an offensive weapon. And this is just a side note that all the armor is for the front of the body, not the back. We're not to run from the Lord, from, from the Lord or our enemy. We're to, listen, we're to dig our feet in the sand and stand there broadening our shoulders and say, you know what? My captain and commander is the one that created everything and he is over everything and he's in everything and he is, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me and neither height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the one who said, I am your shield and buckler. Word of God. It changed my life. I had a little New Testament that I wore out going soul winning. I had it sent off to a little place to be, get, get recovered, leather bound, had it recovered. It was about that wide, about that thick, fit right in your back pocket. Wore it out. The guy called me and he said, you know what, preacher, I got your Bible recovered, but I cannot print on the front what was originally on there. He said, my, my engraving machine that I engrave on the front of the Bibles is just too big for what I need to put back on the front of yours. I said, well, if you can't print all of it, just abbreviate it. He sent my Bible back. And do you know what was on the front of it? The letters T N T. The New Testament. You know what Romans 1, some of you going, I don't understand, I don't get it. You know, what, you know what Paul told the church in Rome? In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, For I'm not ashamed of the what? Come on now, y'all know it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power. What's the Greek word there? Panos. You know me. We get our English word dynamite from it. Can I tell you something, folks? This is TNT. This is TNT. I've watched it change the hearts of people who literally have thrown it down the center aisle one week and three months later go back to the same church and preach it and God pricked their heart and then come down and sit on the front row the whole meeting from Monday to Friday and open their Bible and sit right here and take notes. God can use His Word. Listen, contend for it. God said, My Word will I exalt above anything. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. So contend for the faith. Listen, condemn the false teachers. But number three, young people, and listen to me. Be compassionate to your fellow man. Be compassionate to your fellow man. With this, I'm done. We've only got about one minute, and y'all need to split up into groups. I had a friend in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, middle of our state. I started my Bible college at one institution, finished at another. It took me seven years to cram four years into it. <laughs> I went to Bible college seven years for a four-year degree, but I was married and had children. Any of y'all ever, when you get there, you'll understand why it took me seven years. But anyway... My friend went to church with me, Michael. He didn't go to Bible college. He was about 22 years of age. He had a good job. He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. He was one of the greatest soul winners I ever knew in my life. He didn't know all the Bible doctrine, but he knew the God of the Bible. And I remember him telling me a story. He said, Preacher, I led a, he said, I led a family. I'd moved away 
I had started a, a youth pastor in Hickory, North Carolina. I was beginning to be a youth pastor in Hickory, North Carolina. Left Winston-Salem, and he called me, and he said, I led this couple to Christ. I said, who was it? And he told me who they were. I remember the lady, but I didn't remember her husband. He said, I, and, and he, would, he would go by this certain, this certain station to get his petrol every single week, and this woman owned this petrol station. He would go in, she was as mean as a snake. I mean, this woman was mean. And he would witness to her, and he would talk to her about the love of God. And do you know what? Finally, one day, he came in, and this is what she said to him. She said, hello, how you doing? And he'd say, great, I'm doing great today. It's good to see you. And she said, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. She said, every day you come in this store, you got a smile on your face. You seem like you're always happy. And I want to know, do you ever have a bad day? That's exactly the way she talked. Wouldn't you like to be married to that, guys? Amen. He said, she said, I want to know, do you ever have a bad day? And he said, well, of course I do. She said, well, why don't it show? He said, I'm glad you asked me. He took out a gospel track like we handed scores out yesterday. He handed it to her, said, read that. I will be back this coming Thursday, and we'll talk. If you can have some time, I'd like to talk to you. He came back on Thursday. Long and short of it, young people, he led that lady to Christ. It wasn't two months later that he said that the husband started coming to church because this is just the way the Lord works it out. She didn't have a car, didn't have a license, and she couldn't get there, so he had to bring her. And he got tired of sitting out in the parking lot for an hour and a half while God's people met, so he said, I'm going to go in and see what's going on in there. Well, guess what? He got saved. And do you know what? Terry called me and talked to me about that about three months after they came to Christ. He said, do you know what that couple's getting ready to do? Now listen, here's a guy who did not know the Bible, never been to a Bible college. He wasn't some theologian. But he had, some, he had some joy in his heart. It showed on his face. And get this, young people, that couple... Just three months after got a burden in a missions conference that they were in at that church, they surrendered to whatever God wanted them to do. And today, listen to me, today, almost 12 years later, that couple, that old couple, they, listen, they're 68 years of age and 70 years of age respectively. They are in Peru as missionaries today preaching the gospel and it was all because a young man had compassion in his heart to reach them. I want to ask you something. Are you sitting in this service and you've got yourself to see that you can't make a difference? Because my Bible tells me different. You can make a difference wherever God plants you. You can make a difference. How do you do that? Well, you contend for the faith. You mark them that are false teachers. You note them. You tag them that preach error. And then number three, you have compassion for your fellow man. What's the scripture say? They that sow in tears shall what? Reap in joy. They that goeth forth with weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. I want to ask you something. Do you, do you want your life to make a difference? Search your heart. Father, 
blessing the remainder of our day. I love these young people. God, I pray, give strength. Lord, um, I can't pray that you'd give us rest in the next six to seven hours. But Lord, I pray that you'd give us strength to in, endure and to, uh, Lord, to listen on purpose. And we'll love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.